welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, this is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Welcome to Endopod's revision series. Each episode will cover revision material for those preparing for exams or even just for those who are interested in learning the basics of endocrinology. In this episode, we'll be looking at the pituitary gland. We'll talk about the structure and anatomy of the pituitary gland followed by its physiological function. The pituitary gland is a bean-shaped and bean-sized endocrine gland located in a pocket in the sphenoid bone known as the cella tersica or hypophyseal fossa. It is split into two distinct lobes, the anterior pituitary and the posterior pituitary. It is connected to the hypothalamus via a stalk called the infundibulum. There is a small part between the anterior and posterior pituitary known as the pars intermedia, which releases melanocyte-stimulating hormone. The anterior pituitary is a true endocrine tissue of epithelial origin and makes up two-thirds of the gland. It is connected to the hypothalamus via the hypothalamic hypophyseal portal system. This system is composed of two capillary beds in series. The first one is called the median eminence. This system ensures only very small amounts of hormones are required and only needs to travel a short distance to allow rapid communication between the hypothalamus and the anterior pituitary. The hypothalamus releases tropic neurohormones, which diffuse into the median eminence, from which it travels to the anterior pituitary via the rest of the hypothalamic hypophyseal portal system. These hormones bind to receptors on the surface of the anterior pituitary cells and either have a stimulating or inhibiting effect. The hypothalamus therefore determines whether the anterior pituitary then releases hormones. It can release six hormones, five tropic ones and one non-tropic one. Once a hormone is released, it diffuses into the second capillary bed of the portal system from which it travels into the circulation to its target. The anterior pituitary releases five tropic hormones and one non-tropic hormone. The five tropic hormones are thyroid stimulating hormone, or TSH. It stimulates thyroxine secretion from the thyroid gland. The second one is adrenocorticotropic hormone, or ACTH. It stimulates cortisol production from the adrenal glands. There are two gonadotropins produced called follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, or luteinizing hormone, LH. They control reproductive and sexual characteristic by stimulating estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and sperm. And the fifth hormone is the growth hormone. It stimulates growth and repair in all cells. The non-tropic hormone produced is prolactin, which stimulates milk production in the breast during pregnancy and breastfeeding. The anterior pituitary has a complex feedback control involving up to three integration centres. The long feedback loop feeds the end hormone to the anterior pituitary and also to the hypothalamus, which will then affect whether these two glands will secrete stimulating or inhibiting hormones. This regulates the end endocrine target hormone directly. The short feedback loop feeds back from anterior pituitary to the hypothalamus. This is done via the tropic hormone released by the anterior pituitary. This will regulate whether the hypothalamus secretes inhibitory or stimulatory hormones. These feedback loops ensure that hormone plasma levels are tightly maintained. You will see the words tropic, non-tropic and trophic being used, but they are not the same. Tropic hormones govern the release of hormones from a distal endocrine gland. Non-tropic hormones stimulate their target gland directly, for example prolactin stimulating milk production from the mammary glands. Trophic hormones, on the other hand, stimulate growth, for example hyperplasia. So troph equals growth.
The posterior pituitary contains magnocellular neurons, which have their neural bodies inside the hypothalamus. So the posterior pituitary is formed by the axons of magnocellular neurons that extend down from the hypothalamus. These neurons store and release two non-tropic neurohormones, vasopressin and oxytocin. These are, these are two subtypes of magnocellular neurons which determine which of the two hormones are released. So you have vasopressin-specific neurons and oxytocin-specific neurons. Vasopressin, also known as antidiuretic hormone, regulates water retention in the body. Oxytocin is crucial in childbirth and promotes lactation. Once the hormones are synthesized in the hypothalamus, they travel down to the posterior pituitary until they reach the nerve terminal where they are stored in vesicles until required. These terminals end directly into capillaries, meaning that neurohormones can go directly into the bloodstream to travel to their target glands. And endocrine disorders may be classified as hyposecretion when there is too little hormone secreted or hypersecretion when too much hormone is secreted. These may result from any of the following. Primary disorders are where the defect is within the target gland cells that secrete the end hormone. Secondary disorders are those in which the anterior pituitary produces too little or too much tropic hormone. Tertiary disorders relate to hypothalamic defects. Primary disorders are most common, secondary disorders are also quite common, but tertiary disorders are very rare. Other classifications include hypo and hyperresponsiveness. Hyperresponsiveness means that a normal hormone concentration will have a decreased response in the target cell. This will occur due to changes at the target cell. It can be due to alterations in the receptor for the hormone, for example, decrease in receptor number. It can also be due to disordered post-receptor events, failure of metabolic activation of hormone, or antagonistic effects. Hyperresponsiveness could be due to permissive effects, which will be explained in more detail now. When normal plasma hormone concentration is disrupted, homeostatic responses are initiated to reduce the impact on the end function of that hormone. For example, prolonged exposure to low plasma hormone concentration often leads to upregulation of the receptor number to increase the tissue sensitivity or to increase the body's response to the hormone even though there is a low concentration. Conversely, prolonged exposure to high plasma hormone concentration typically leads to downregulation of the receptor numbers to decrease tissue sensitivity or decrease the body's response to the hormone. These homeostatic responses may also affect receptors for other hormones, i.e. have permissive or antagonistic effects. Permissive effects are when the presence of one hormone enhances the effect of another hormone. For example, epinephrine or adrenaline only causes modest lipolysis in adipose tissue, but when thyroid hormones also present, lipolysis is greatly increased. This is because thyroid hormone increases the synthesis of receptors for epinephrine on adipocytes. Antagonistic effects are when the presence of one hormone reduces the effect of another. For example, growth hormone impairs glucose uptake in response to insulin by decreasing the number of insulin receptors on muscles and adipose tissue. This concludes the episode on pituitary gland physiology. From what we have discussed today, we can see the importance of this gland and its intricate integration within the body. We looked at the anatomy and compared how the two lobes function and which hormones they produce. We also discussed some terminology based around endocrine disorders and how they may affect hormone concentration. Thank you for listening in and as always, thank you for the support. 
Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Sitska Visser, one of our revision workshop facilitators who contributed to the making of this episode. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off.